come. I'm just passing through, buddy. Just passing through. I want you to cool it. I don't want to hear no hello wait. I gotta adjust all the uh, hello test, hello test, hello test. I'm adjusting my engineer. Hello test, hello test. He's a fully transistorized man. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Hey, you're getting a little inverse feedback there, Bill. No. There, one, two, three. I can tell his ears light up when he gets that feedback. He's got all kinds of little digital readouts. <laughs> Counts his digits. La la dee. You know, this is the problem with, uh, you know, Monday. I just, uh, you know, Monday tends to do that to you. You know, everything's happening. I mean, where you know, you just can't uh, you just can't count on anything like uh, here today. I'm just reading. I'm sitting in the bus. See, now many times I'll I'll pass. You know, I'll get in the bus and you know pass like a real person, and uh, you know pretend I'm just you know real walking around person. And and uh, I'm sitting on the bus there, and I uh, when I sat down, there's this paper laying there. I always try to pick a seat where there's already used paper there. See. And, and, uh, oh, yes, you, you read some pretty exotic papers, you know, for over 20 minutes. The other day I tried to read the uh, Greek-Croatian press. It's not easy. Just the pictures, and some of those were awful blurred. And that's about all I could get. And I, as I'm reading, this guy's kept coming up to me and talking to me in Greek. I was a fellow countryman, and I just go, ah, 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 you know, making funny sounds. And I'm sitting there reading this newspaper, and it said, uh, uh, Axe murderer slays seven boils girlfriend down for soap and uh you know a very exciting piece you know the, the national Enquirer type piece is axe murder slays seven boils girlfriend down for soap and uh yeah well didn't you see that is a wonderful story and uh halfway through that story i'm sitting there reading this scene and, and i i'm it's the only paper i could find see i'm one of those guys that's got to have something to read when he's uh, sitting on a bus or somewhere you know i just get itchy it's like uh some guys are compulsive alkies, you know, they drink all the time. Well, I have to read all the time, and uh, I'll read everything. I crawl around on the floor and read the patent pending numbers on the bottom of the seats in the bus sometimes just to keep reading, you know. Do you ever have that problem, Bill? No, you don't have that problem reading. I can tell that. He's got the wide-eyed look of an engineer who hasn't read anything this side of the Allied catalog since he was nine, you know. <laughs> he gets lost in the rheostat department once in a while and gets all weepy. You know, he gets terribly moved when they when they bring out a new line of capacitors, you know, ceramic type. He just, oh, God. But, uh, yeah, they, I, and so I'm, I'm sitting there in the bus, see, and I'm reading this uh, paper. It's a real crummy-looking paper, you know, and it's got gum stuck all over it, and, and there's an old cigar butt that keeps, you know, keeps it dripping down out of the inside. I, I was afraid to open the paper all the way up for fear of what I might find in it, you know. And, and uh, But I'm reading it anyway. It's the only thing I got. Because I got trapped. I, I, uh, the, the newsstand was closed. I didn't have anything to read. Once in a while, when I'm really trapped like that, I take out my wallet and read my Social Security card over and over again, try to see if there's something on the back of it that I didn't notice the first time. And, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's part of my makeup, my psyche. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, I'm sitting there reading this, this paper, seeing it's, uh, it says, uh, Axe Murderer, Slay 7, Boyle's Girlfriend Down for Soap. Yeah, there's pictures and exciting, thrilling story inside. True confession. So it shows this guy, and he's got all these people piled up in a bathtub there, and he's standing over. It's a specially posed photograph showing axe murderer reenacting crime. It was very exciting. And I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm reading this. Remember, I'm a compulsive reader, and all of a sudden there's a lady comes in the bus, and she 
sits back at me and she sees what I'm reading. She says, I think that people would have 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 a little more taste than to read that sort of thing in the bus. I turn around and I figure, you know, she's talking about somebody, you know, that's sitting back there reading some porny stuff. After all, an axe murder slays seven and boils his girlfriend down for soap. Now, that's real news. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you... That's, uh, you know, it happened in some obscure place and... And uh, but never, they never quite said where it was. Uh, no, no. They, they, I think they cooked that one up. They boiled it up out of their little soap thing themselves. See, so anyway, I got a little embarrassed, and so I, I turned inside the magazine to get get away from that piece there. I folded it up like that, and uh, there's another piece in it. it. Says city police in Baltimore. Uh, did you hear what's happening? City police in Baltimore complain that they are down to their last five malls. I brought it in. Uh, you know what a mall is, don't you? You know what a mall is? Yeah, no, I'm not talking about a shopping mall. It's a city police complaint. They are down to their last five malls in Baltimore. Now, there must be some, a hell of a lot of action in Baltimore. The malls are the heavy hammers that officers use to break down doors. That's a mall, you know. They're down to their last five ones. They lost 17 in the past 12 months. They wore them out, busted them, you know. And the quote says, It's embarrassing to have to admit the loss of several hundred dollars worth of malls the colonel in charge of the police. And uh, he says, things are so bad, uh, the chief said, that his men had to borrow malls recently. They had to borrow malls from uh, the gambling houses themselves. They were busting down the gambling houses, and they didn't have a hammer, and they had to ask them if they'd loan them a hammer, you know, break the door. And he says, it gets embarrassing. So I'm reading this, see? And uh, I thought, well, uh, you, you just can't you just can't count on anything anymore, you know? Baltimore police are out of malls. And uh, axe murderer slays seven, boils his girlfriend down for soap. And I'm sitting there, and I look up, and I see this Breck commercial above me. It says, uh, so yeah, she's blonde, you know, she's looking down at me. I couldn't imagine her being boiled down for soap. But, uh, now, wait, I did. I don't make the news. Everybody looks, uh, and I look up there, and it says, uh, only her hairdresser knows. And uh, is that Breck that says that? That's Clairol. Yes, Clairol. What is it that Breck says? I've forgotten. I see. That's the way I am, you see. I, I don't have a firm grasp on the literature of our time. What did you say that uh, Breck says? Beautiful hair. Is that all they say? Well, that doesn't sing. Uh, Eyewitnesses. Father Fiorindo Davi Grassi was bidding goodbye to the congregation after Mass at the church door. When the lawyer, Gentile Prestis Cosia, began to shout insults at him. When the irate lawyer hurled a stone at the priest, Father Florindo ducked and then pulled a pistol from the folds of his garment and fired at the dumbstruck lawyer. He was not only dumbstruck, he was struck by a couple of slugs. Uh, <laughs> well, one hit him, the other one missed. But Prestis Costa dived for the pavement and struck his head against the concrete. Bleeding, he was taken to a local hospital while uh, some of the pious calmed their priest down. Well, that's an exciting story. Only minutes earlier, what what makes this story really ring? Only minutes earlier, the pistol-packing father had told a jammed congregation gathered in his uh, church there, quote, respect all of your friends and neighbors, and above all, love your neighbors everywhere they might be. Forget all those old animosities. Well, then he ran out and plugged it, the lawyer. And uh, <laughs> so, see, the priest is running into a common problem. And that's a problem that we all have, the difference between reality and philosophy. Yeah, you know, you can say uh, thrift is the best policy, 
and then you walk along seeing you see this groovy thing in the window. You know, there's this plastic football that has a built-in transistor radio, and it's got fringe on it, and it's got an autographed photograph of Joe Namath on the outside of it, and it's only forty-nine ninety-five. And you know that you just can't live for another day without one of them things. And you wind up and you get that plastic football. And all the while you say to your friends, yes, uh, uh, thrift is the best policy. But then again, on the other hand, I really need a radio. You see, my other radio is making buzzing noises. And uh, what I needed was a plastic radio. So you see, friends, it's, it's the old problem again. I mean, it's the Monday syndrome. Shepherds, you know, just walking around. Now, I thought here today, now, you know that in South Africa... There, the laws are getting oppressive everywhere. City regulations now in Uchhorn, uh, South Africa, has decreed that it is a nuisance to keep a corpse anywhere other than the mortuary. And uh, now they charge you $3 a day, I mean, when you keep a corpse around a house, for the first day, $5 after that. I mean, this is the kind of oppression that uh, you see popping up everywhere. I'm sorry, Bill. Also, a, a, a 74-year-old man was fined $66 in Paris for driving a bicycle while drunk. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, what with this guy boiling down his girlfriend for soap? These guys riding around in their bikes. I mean, you know, you just, and I'm sitting there in the bus. We're rolling along, uh, going on. They're just rolling along. And uh, this lady keeps tapping me on the back of my jacket and saying I shouldn't be reading that kind of stuff. I don't look like the kind of guy that should be reading that. I suppose I look like the kind of guy that should be writing it. Or, or, <laughs> or should be <laughs> should be in those stories, you know? So you, 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 you do the best you can, uh, the best way you can. And uh, so while we're sitting here contemplating our navel, by the way, it's a wonderful navel you've got. It's kind of nice, you know, it really is. I like the other day. I was I was listening to the, to the sports, and they were talking about this football player. Says he was out of action because he hurt his navel. I don't make the news. I just report it. I just report it, and I don't make the commercials. I only lay them on you. I just lay them on you. That's all. Is this the office of the Red Baron of Lufthansa German Airlines? Yes, but you cannot see him now. He's in Berlin, making sure that the nightclubs are entertaining as well as educational. That's why the Red Baron is the man I want to talk to. I have an idea for a holiday tour in Europe that's like seven straight Saturday nights. Really? Sure. The Red Baron would fly you over on Lufthansa to, say, uh, Munich. You'd see shows, nightclubs, concerts, plays. You'd have time to shop, sightsee, have fun. Every night you'd get a room with a bath, and the whole eight days would only cost $311. Or for more fun, you could add Rome or Berlin or Vienna and pay more, but not over $532. I call it my 18th Street of Europe holiday. Lufthansa already has such a holiday. See you, travel agent or Lufthansa. The Red Baron calls it Broadway of Europe. That's funny. My neighborhood, all the actions on 18th Street. Prices given are available November 1 to December 14 and January 5 to March 31, 1973. Rates per person, seven, eight-day economy fare. Group of ten flying together. Land arrangements are for two people traveling together and sharing the same room. Oh, that sounds cozy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that last line there, kind of nice. Hey, uh, Kasha fans, Kasha cuckoos, if uh, breakfast leaves you cold, we suggest you warm up to a nice hot dish of Wolf's Kasha. According to the copy here, there are nutty-flavored little kernels of roasted buckwheat groats. Buckwheat groats. Now, you might expect to find Wolf's Kasha at the supermarket, right? In the cereal section. You silly fool. It's not. With all the vitamins and the minerals and the protein in Wolf's Kasha, you might expect to find it sitting there next to the tiger's milk. But it isn't. 
Where is it? Well, it's uh, squatting right down there next to the gefilte fish. Right down there in the elegant section, in the kosher section. Wolf's kasha is right there. And uh, they'll send you a Wolf's kasha recipe book. Wonderful. How to make Wolf's kasha martinis. 2,001 different dishes they make out of Wolf's kasha. Yeah, it goes all the way back to the days when man traveled with nothing but his best friend, the camel. And uh, there was nothing between him and starvation but Wolf's kasha and a few dried figs. Gee, I'll never forget the dried fig I used to date. This is WOR New York. And uh, speaking of dried figs, <laughs> hi, George. Now, this is more of a dried apricot here. So the fig is a little more elegant than this setup here. You know, the fig has... A, you know, I, I, I've never been able to eat figs ever since I was a kid. You know, I had this teacher named Mrs. Bailey. And uh, Mrs. Bailey was our science teacher. You took science in school, didn't you? Yes. Well, you're a scientific man, Bill, and they're working all them knobs. You can tell that it, uh, it didn't go over your head, boy. You soaked it up there. Now, sir, you have the look of a, of a true scientist in there. He turns this equipment on, you know. That, that's mysterious to most of us, especially since we don't pay the bills around here much. He's getting the juice out of something. I don't know what it is. He's got a wind charger out the window. You know, we'll get through all right. It's okay, Mr. O'Neill. It's all right. You still have your tires, haven't you? Oh, God, you, uh, yes, certainly we do have them. Get set for rugged winter driving ahead by, uh, you know, picking up a set of these beautiful winter cleat tires. They're general winter cleats. Pick a pair of time. You can pick pears, oranges, grapes. And uh, you go down there, and you're going to have fun at your general tire headquarters. Mix or match the Jet Air 3, General's famous four-ply replacement tire. And if you're riding around on a set of bumpy baldies, we would suggest you try your general tire dealer. How long has it been since you've ridden around on a baldy? You know, that's one of those horses, two colors, you know, funny-looking face, old baldy. In the Bronx, see Murray Lester or Sam Ayola at Bronx General Tire, 579 Grand Concourse. Now, uh, I, uh, this, uh, this town, uh, I was going to tell you about Mrs. Bailey in science, wasn't I? Yes. Well, uh, Mrs. Bailey, uh, one day... <laughs> I guess each one of us has got some something stuck in our head that we picked up in school. It's never let us. It's never released us. And uh, and uh, I, I uh, once in a while I go into the H and H and they had these stewed figs there. You've seen stewed figs, you know figs. You know, you, you've seen them, and they come in this juice, kind of like uh, syrup. Stewed figs. Is that what they call them? Stewed figs. Lee, would you please stand up and uh, my research? Are they stewed figs? You don't know. Well, that's our research department. That's typical of any research department. Ask McGovern. He found out they didn't know either. Hey, whatever happened to those hotshot uh, program campaign managers he had? You know, those guys named Frank and it with the big mustaches and that long hair. Where are they, huh? Back in the used car lot, huh? Selling them Essexes, huh? Well, uh, never <laughs> nevertheless, uh, this is Miss Bailey, see, one day. And she's standing up there. Now, I didn't, I didn't listen much in school. It's one of my problems. And, uh, yes, I, I misspent my youth. Sat back there, fooled her on it. I spent my, almost my entire youth trying to get a hold of a very sensitive part of Eileen Aker's body, but I never could. You know, she was too shifty. I, I tell you, she had fantastic reflexes. I'd move one way, she'd move the other. You know, just moving like a shadow. But uh, nevertheless, I'm I'm misspending my youth back there, and and that one day though, Miss Bailey knew how to catch her students. 
Uh, many a good teacher knows how to really get you, see. And uh, she said, uh, now, boys and girls, Miss Bailey was kind of, she looked like a female W.C. Fields. Kind of like, you know, she was made out of a whole bunch of rubber balls or something all strung together. And they were in this burlap sack. And that was Miss Miss Bailey. She was a friendly teacher, though. She had these uh, blue-rimmed glasses, you know, that kind of lady. And uh, so Miss Bailey taught science. So she's up there that's on this historic day, which I have never forgotten, really. And uh, Miss Bailey said, uh, she says, now, uh, boys and girls, I'm going to, uh, we're going to have a, a demonstration today. And uh, with that, she uh, she popped out one of these, uh, you know, these these strings of figs? Have you ever had the uh, figs that are strung on, on strings like, not a string, it's like on a, some kind of piece of straw. You know, they make them in Greece. You know, the figs come in this. You've seen this? You haven't, Bill? Well, of course, uh, the limited number of uh, times that you've been in the more elegant restaurants, no doubt you would have trouble understanding what I'm saying. But the, the, the Greek figs come, uh, they come dried, see. And for some reason or other, the Greeks uh, like to string them together. Now, don't ask me why they do this, but they put this thing right through the middle, and then they make it like that. It's round. You've seen this. Well, someday, when you go to the A&P bill, you ask to see their figs. You'll be amazed what they look like. They're figs. And uh, so, <laughs> yes, indeed. This is an educational program here. For those of you who wondered what you dropped in on, it's, it's uh, an attempt to enlarge your horizons, push back the, the uh, deep, heavy forest of ignorance that uh, surrounds so many of our lives, and to open up new avenues of expression for you, like eating figs be surprised they get stuck in your teeth and figs incidentally are much faster and a lot more fun than x-lax they're fantastic they really uh you know if you think you've seen action around your house you uh start throwing figs around you're going to have a lot of yelling and hollering shortly thereafter however that's uh, that's a byproduct we don't want to get into that at this time since there are ladies listening at this moment uh however uh the fig is an interesting creature and Miss Bailey says, now, boys and girls, actually had a voice sort of, oh, boys and girls, we are now going to have an experiment today. And she passed out this, uh, this string of figs, instructing each one of us to take a fig off. You know, it's strange. It comes under the figs. I have to explain that again. Because every time I say that, the attention span of my average listeners may be 12, 13 microseconds. And uh, so I have to explain the thing every time I say it. I said, the string of figs. I said, oh, what, what, what? I said, oh, you know. So I explained it again. However, we each handed it back, and we took a fig. You got it, right? Each one of us now has a fig. Well, now, that's the kind of lesson I like. It, uh, it gives you something to grab a hold of, and uh, it, it's direct contact uh, with the student. I mean, it gives them something to do. Chewing on a fig is not the same as working a differential equation. Somehow it's more real. And so Miss Bailey says, Now, would you please look carefully and examine the fig before you eat it? They examine the fig. Well, have you ever really looked at a fig? I mean, very carefully. Well, the fig uh, is an odd-looking creature, if you look carefully at it. It really is a funny-looking thing. It's got like 12 million little tiny seeds in it, like little babies. You've seen that? Now, why do I see all this stuff, and you don't even know what the hell a fig looks like? Bill, this is terrible. I mean, uh, is there some fruit you're familiar with? Have you seen an apple, Bill? You have seen an apple. 
Well, maybe I ought to tell a more simple story, you know, and stay with the apples because most of my listeners never really encountered figs in their poor limited lives. So uh, <laughs> the fig has, has millions of <laughs> has millions of little tiny babies in it, see? And so she said, now look very carefully at the fig. So we all, we're all sitting there bent over looking at the fig, uh, looking at it very carefully. And Miss Bailey says, now I'm going to tell you a very interesting story on how the fig came to arrive on your desk today. Well, that was a provocative statement. So uh, we all straightened up. She says, now, the fig, uh, just like other creatures, the fig, uh, there are boy figs and there are girl figs. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Well, <laughs> hi, George. There are boy figs and there are girl figs. I never thought of figs quite like that. You know, it's a, that was kind of a new concept. There are boy figs and there are girl figs. She says, well, of course, I'm speaking of boy figs and girl fig trees. The fig itself does not have a boy fig or a girl fig. Now, she says, when the boy fig falls in love with the girl fig, they produce figs. <laughs> well, at that point, Schwartz, you know, started to really straighten up because the, now we're getting down to something that we'd been wondering about for a long time, you know, how all this came about. You know, I, I used to sit and look at Schwartz once in a while. Schwartz was three feet nine, weighed, oh, 190. And uh, I used to figure out how the hell Schwartz came into being, you know? What would create something like Schwartz? How it came about? And I often thought about that about my Uncle Carl, too. The great mystery of life. You know, how things... How, the, what is it all about? How long has it been since you've asked that? I mean, you know, look just looked across. You looked around at your pad, and you see that, that you know, the... Another one of the great wonders of life, the cockroach is climbing up outside of your sink, and, and you're, you're struck with the fecundity of nature. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's, you'll have to look that one up. That's uh, F-E-C-U-N-D, fecundity. You have to say it with that kind of a swing. You say that enough, and you're going to have George Plimpton coming to your parties. Fecundity. So, uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, you, you you sit there and you, you look around and you see all this, the wonders of nature. You see the Chicago Bears. You see everything. And you say to yourself, what is it all about? How did this come about? I mean, the great wonder of nature. Haven't you asked yourself recently about the wonder? It, it's produced almost everything, you know? Cigar butts, the whole bit. The wonder of nature. And so Miss Bailey was explaining it to us. Well, let's put it this way. The wonder of nature boils down ultimately to sex, Right? I mean, I, I don't like to bring it that... Oh, that woke Lee up, even. I don't like to bring it down to that kind of basic... Uh, that kind of basic consideration. But nevertheless, uh, Miss Miss uh, Bailey said... Uh, she says, now, there are boy figs and there are girl figs. Now, the boy fig... You see, the trouble with the fig plant, boys and girls, is that it doesn't walk very well. In other words, if a boy fig flies... You know, sees this girl fig tree over there across the field, and he falls in love with this this uh, girl fig plant, well, he can't ride around, uh, you know, and holler at it and stand up on his, the seat of his bicycle and show off like you guys can. You know, run around and chase around the gym and all that kind of stuff. So what does the boy fig do? Now, this little lecture, which has probably seemed a total dribble to most of you, you can't quite understand it, I will award a brass fig leggy the bronze oak leaf palm for anyone out there who can tell me how 
the male fig, the boy fig, makes out with the girl fig. No, no, there's a specific way. There's a specific thing that happens. No, it's fantastic. Well, when Miss Bailey told me about that, I'll tell you, told the whole class, there was the class that stunned, and there wasn't one of us. I mean, it was it was such a such a such a, a, a fantastic original concept that there wasn't one of us who uh, has ever, uh, I'm sure, from that class has ever looked at a fig again the same way. And of course, a rumor started immediately after that because Mrs. Bailey simply pointed out that this is what figs did, and she says, "Boys and girls, I hope you've learned a great deal today about." the realities of life, how you all came into being, and what what uh, what nature does in its great wondrous way. Well, now, everybody's heard about the bees and the, and the flowers, right? Well, I, I bet very few of you have been introduced to the great wonders of nature through the, through the lowly and yet highly subtle and complex fig. Well, me and Schwartz are walking home, and Schwartz says, Boy... You know, you just, that's the, you know, the fig, uh, the figs are doing this uh, out there. And uh, with that, uh, Flick was with us, says, yes, but Mrs. Bailey was teaching us this because it was, it's, it's what people do, too. Schwartz says, it can't be. No kidding. And for at least a month, there was a very, very considerable body of kids in that uh, third grade class who had a very interesting idea of how procreation came about among, well, that's close, wasps. It is not a wasp. It is close. It is close. It is close. So, uh, oh, don't look shocked. No, you're talking to the expert. You just point out that he, he ain't the one. I am. And now, friends, we have a little goodie we'd like to lay on you here. Uh, if you'd like to enjoy fine French wines... Yes, indeed, Emo, with your meals. But think it's too complicated and too expensive? Well, think again. The Alexis Lachine Company selects the right wines for you. All you got to do is remember the name Alexis Lachine. The reds, the whites, the rosé. And then these superlative wines, I'm quoting here, of course, are poured into gracious, distinctive bottles to grace your elegant table out in Queens. You don't have to be a wine expert to serve wines that will have uh, you... Jaime, uh, that will have your friends calling you Jaime, the wine expert. Just remember the name, Alexis Lachine. You will enjoy quality without confusion. Alexis Lachine is imported by Bass Charrington Vintners, New York. Would you please sing for me, please? Alexis Lachine. <laughs> Alexis Lachine. I'm cer- there's a certain elegant quality about me tonight. You notice that? Alexis is- Well, there is. I mean, I, I just, you know... It's- there's a little quality of Vincent Price about me tonight. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I like to feel that I'm, I'm bringing good into the, you know, to the dark corners of the world. And I'm bringing uh, the searchlight of knowledge and learning into uh, an otherwise uh, uh, darkening, deepening, medieval world. In other words, we've got to do something about them barbarians. I mean, they're walking around here picking their teeth and belching and kicking over the water cooler. It's about time we did something about them. And, uh, and and I, I just you know the idea of the of the figs, and I've never been able to seriously look at the figs ever since, with uh, with the same wind. Oh come on, now they're guessing these poor fools. You do not guess when you're dealing with the 
the world of of uh, of, uh, of let us say advanced biology. You just simply don't. And the reason that I picked the fig is for tonight's object lesson is that the fig has a very exotic way of reproducing. Extremely, and incidentally, <laughs> if I told you, you would never, you would never, never look at a fig again the same. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, you know that's part and parcel of the whole. That's like the time I'm sitting in, you know, I'm sitting in a class, and again, it's in the science. Windworms. Now, what the hell is a windworm? Windworm is is a is a guest on a late night all night talk show. Uh, worms? No, you keep saying worms. It is not worms. It is not wasps. It, uh... No, 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 no. It is not, uh, it's not Melina McCory either. No, no, it's a different fig. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's not worms. And by the way, speaking of uh, worms, uh, today I had a little, a little exercise in, uh, I suppose you might say, uh, comparative behavior. Yeah, I'm walking along over there by 8th Avenue and uh, 42nd Street, which is not exactly the garden place of the world. Uh, there's a couple of uh, parking lots over there, you know, right in the corner. You've seen those parking lots over there? It's a pretty tough section, actually. <laughs> got to watch your, you know, you, I mean, uh, you have to watch your P's and Q's over there, but you got to watch a hell of a lot more than your P's and Q's. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't let, I'll let a guy have any more. Any Q that I've got, he can have. It's all the other stuff, but... Uh, you got to be. You got to move real easy, see. So uh, I'm moving easy. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, don't you, you got to admit, uh, Bill? I I look like the kind of guy that people do look at, a little worried. I look like the kind of guy that might be the one that's causing the trouble in the neighborhood. Yeah, that's right. You look carefully at me, especially when it rains on me. At the. Yeah, he's getting there. Blastophagia. Yes, he's getting there. He's getting there. Uh, by the way, he was the original scientist that discovered this this uh, phenomena of the fig. Sergio Blastafaja, Dr. Sergio, went to the University of Minsk and uh, later taught at Bresk-Livatsk and uh, made, made quite a name for himself. It was called the Blastophagia Syndrome. Well, I'm, I'm uh, just, uh, you know, I just bring it up, but nevertheless, I'm walking past the 42nd and 8th today. Now, listen carefully. What do I see... But a tourist, a real tourist tourist. You know, there's a certain ding-dong look that tourists have. You know, they, they've always got their Instamatic strapped on them and all that, you know. And, and uh, there they are. Uh, there are two tourists, a man and a lady. She's got her blue hair. And uh, what are they doing? They are taking a picture of the big uh, posted parking fees. <laughs> I guess they wanted to take it home to show their friends because they'd never believe it. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what parking a car in the vicinity of 42nd and 8th Avenue costs you in New York, well, the average home in, say, Cleveland rents for about what it would cost you a month for what it would cost you to keep your car maybe two nights in one of those places. And then, by the way, when you come back to the parking lot, it's probably not there anyway. You know, somebody's uh, ripped it off which has happened to more than one of us. Now, uh, while we're on the subject of that, let's see, we've got the Downingtown Inn. How about the Downingtown Inn? Yes, here we go. It's free golf and family fun holiday vacation time at Mickey Rooney's Downingtown Inn. Mickey Rooney, three, four, five days or more of unlimited free golf and gourmet dining luxury. This is a, you know, this is a philanthropic 
outfit from only $49 a person, complete, just two hours from New York, and you're playing free golf on Downingtown's 18-hole championship course. Or horseback riding, they got it all going out there. That's the Downingtown Inn. And uh, they have entertainment, the Starlight Room, whatever that is. Hey, hey, by the way, that's beautiful country out around there, though, around Downingtown. The Downingtown Inn, Route 30, exit 23, Pennsylvania Turnpike. And they have a special Sunday to Friday family package, Christmas and New Year's. You can call W O six three two O O right now, or write uh, Miss Betsy. And Mickey's star of the week is the unforgettable Morty Gunty. Unforgettable. You see Morty once, and you'll never forget it. Let's see. Uh, what's this Channel Two thing? What you mean? We're plugging Channel Two? How about this? The Mike Douglas show is in Miami with Jackie Gleason as co-host. Don't miss the comedy and the nostalgia tomorrow at four thirty on Channel Two, New York. <laughs> How did that sneak in? I wonder if Mike Douglas plugs me sometimes on his show. General, yes, I oh I see that. Yes, you got a whole list of generals. Good. You want another one? You mean people are calling in asking me to do another general tire? It's request time. All right, get set. Due to public demand, it's un- absolutely insistent. Get set for the rugged winter driving ahead during pick a pair time at your local General Tire headquarters. Now, if it sounds like I said that before. You're right, I did. Take your pick. Winter tires start as low as thirty-seven ninety per pair. And they have these winter cleats. And don't forget their famous promise. I repeat it again. You go in snow or general pays the toe. You go to your general tire deal. Ask for Bill Shrek, General Tire Service, 830 West Jericho Turnpike in Smithtown. It's a little out of the way, but the, you'll like it out there. It's a nice ride. Uh, caprification. No, I can't talk about that with a kid still up. That's obscene. In fact, did you see down on the 23rd Street in the subway station, it says legalized caprification between consulting adults. And I can't go into that with the kids listening tonight. Uh, I, I must point out, though, that the fig does not reproduce through the process of caprification, which is a process of wearing a small short cap with earmuffs. And it's a, it's a kind of a messy deal, and uh, we don't want to bring that up at this time. The kids listen, and who knows, some guy that's making porny movies may steal our script and make a million. And where will we be, sitting here blatting away? <laughs> oh, no, you don't get away with that stuff. Oh, sure. Well, uh, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I, uh, I didn't expect it to turn out like this. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought that uh, the thousands of people would... Uh, would come in and tell me. Well, all right, uh, you really want me to tell you how it happens? No, better not. Not yet. Uh, I, I uh, have a note here. Uh, yes, uh, yes, it's, uh, I shouldn't. Uh, is there anybody out there? Uh, we just have a, a note that was handed to me by a, a uh, one of the men from the newsroom here. He says, uh, is there anyone out there who's uh, recently stolen a gunny sack from the back of somebody's car? Is there anybody out there? Uh, do, is there anyone listening to me tonight that stole a sack from a car uh, here in Manhattan? A gunny sack from the back seat? Why? Well, it's a, a special note that in that gunny sack, friend, don't open it. Because in that gunny sack are three six-and-a-half-foot diamondback rattlers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Some guy reached in and stole the gunny sack out of a car. And he figured he was getting the jackpot. He did. 
can't you see he and his buddy, you know, running down an alley and they're waiting to see what they got, you know, they open it up. Ah! Oh, listen, I'll tell you, there are very few things that are more scary looking than a diamondback rattler when he's in a bad mood. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And uh, I just thought you ought to know out there, gang, if you stole, if you stole anything. It's like, I like this friend of mine, see? Yeah, it's, it's like this friend of mine, uh, who was in town one time, New York, and uh, he he like a fool, you know. He's from out of town, and he parked his car on the street here with stuff in it. You know, whenever you park your car on a street with stuff in it, you know, in the back seat like packages, forget it. You know, somebody's going to, you know, just from general principles, bang the window in and grab it. Anyway, somebody came along and banged the window in and grabbed this package on the seat. What a sad story. This guy was working on his Ph.D. bill in some very esoteric field. Uh, he was working on his Ph.D., some really esoteric field like the the economic principle of Zoroaster El Zenwin uh, of uh, South Bulgaria. You know, it's a very, very esoteric thing with charts and graphs and, and uh, the results of 2,000 years of tests and stuff. And what do you think was in the package? His uh, His doctoral thesis, which he had just completed and was going to turn in, and he did not have... No carbon. Well, now, can you imagine this guy getting this, the guy that stole it, you know? <laughs> he cut his hand and everything, finding, you know, breaking the window, and he finally runs away, and he winds up with this rotten doctoral thesis. He wouldn't have gotten a C-plus anyway, you know? Sits there. By the way, he never got it back again. He gave up. Took a truck driver's course. He's driving a, he's driving a, a Cummins diesel now. Drives every week out to Gettysburg. Drives right past... Mickey Rooney's place there. But he's happy. He's happy. Yeah, pick a pair. Uh, you want to do another commercial? Oh, you want to hear about the figs? Another commercial. Yes, General Tire friends, they're still with us. And it says here, get set for the rugged winter driving ahead during pick a pair time at your local General Tire headquarters. <laughs> I really insisted tonight. Winter tires start as low as... Now, you uh, see if you remember now from the last nine times I read it. Thirty-seven ninety a pair. That's right. Get it through that thick skull of yours. And regular tires start as low as, as thirty-five ninety per pair. Now, come on. Now, all together, let's sing it out. What is the general tire slogan? You go in snow, or general pays the toll. You have to sing it to Columbia, the gem of the ocean. That's the way it goes. It's kind of nice. So uh, you get out there and see those beautiful new winter cleat snow tires at your local general headquarters. In Patterson, it's Bob Dazel at General Tire Service, 306 Market Street. Bum, ba -dum, bum, There. No, wombats do not have anything to do. That's now, of course, this is wild, insane guessing. You're going to tell me platypuses next. And all. all right, here's the story with the fig. Uh, class, now you're all set. Now you're looking at your fig closely. Although I'll admit this is not a good hour to look at your fig too closely. Yes. <laughs> it, uh, no, I'm telling you. In the morning, all right. But uh, this, <laughs> this uh, can get uh, a little sticky at this hour. <laughs> all right, George. Well, that's the thing about science. You know, it's so it's so wonderfully uh, entertaining and, and mysterious. But here's the story about the fig. See, Mrs. Bailey said, when the boy fig tree, looks across the field and sees the girl fig tree and falls madly in love, and they're very impetuous. He sits around and waits, 
And along comes a mysterious little moth. And this little moth, M-O-T-H, moth, a little moth comes along. Moth, yeah, like the thing that eats your, you know, your shoes off and all that. And this little moth comes along, and it, uh, it sits quietly for a moment on one of the flowers of the male fig. And then it flies all across the field and then visits the flower of the female fig. I mean, it's so, so romantic. And then a few short months later, there are baby figs. But this is what makes it real, real fun. When that moth flies over by that lady, figs, little flowers, the moth flies right into the flower and does not come out. And in every fig, there is, an, there is the remains of a tiny, itsy-bitsy, self-sacrificing moth. Well, I thought that would make you love figs more. And it does. It did me. And ever since that time, when I have figs now, I think back on this, this romantic little thing. No, you know that that moth has long since been absorbed into the fig. Or you'd be surprised what you eat when you eat apples, friend. I've known many a guy that's chomped in half and felt something wiggling all the way down. So come on, don't yell about this poor little moth who is but the harbinger of Cupid's friendly little dark narrow. So would you please bring that up tonight that this has been Science Night on our show, introducing all of you to the wonders of nature and uh, sending a beam of light into the dark corners of ignorance that uh, certainly have been cursing you for a hell of a long time. Now you can walk proud and clear that your enlargements have been pushed back. Or is it the... No, I guess there's something else that's been pushed back and something else is enlarged. But this is all part of the vast public service programming here at the station. And it was specially uh, produced by Rune Arledge and is part of our vast, overpowering sports network. And uh, that ends tonight's salute to Howard Cosell and other sex objects of the time. This is uh, WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith. He's got the news. News in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom. Henry Kissinger and his deputy, Major General Alexander Haig, Conferred for an hour and a half with President Nixon tonight, Mr. Nixon getting a fill-in on Haig's accomplishments, if any, in his two days of talks with South Vietnam's President Chu in Saigon. Earlier, the White House had disclosed that it might be necessary for Dr. Kissinger to hold more than one concluding session with the Hanoi representatives in Paris. Kissinger last month had predicted that a single meeting could wrap up the ceasefire. When Dr. Kissinger plans to return to Paris is uncertain, when pressed as to whether it would be this week, White House News Secretary Ron Ziegler declined to answer yes or no. Not a word from Cuba on whether it intends to return the ransom money seized from the Southern Airways hijackers, money reported to be in the neighborhood of $2 million. In fact, the Castro government is keeping quiet about the whole affair, beyond saying that the hijackers were quickly apprehended. According to some passengers, and we quote, the three men became raving maniacs when FBI marksmen shot out four of the plane's six tires as the aircraft was about to take off for Cuba from Orlando, Florida. Before that, according to the passengers, and we're quoting again, they were docile maniacs. One of the hijacked passengers, Dr. Gail Buchanan, 
A professor at Auburn University believes that the odds are in his favor. He boarded a plane for a flight to London to attend a meeting of international scientists. The odds against the second hijack, he declared, are prohibitive. There was a sharp give and take between China and the Soviet Union at the UN today. First, Peking's deputy foreign minister denounced the Soviet proposal that UN members go on record renouncing the use of force as a fraud. And he pictured the recent agreement between Moscow and Washington to limit strategic arms as a revival of the old Khrushchev dream of a Soviet-United States collaboration for world domination. Quick rebuttal came from a Soviet delegate that China has as its own objective in mind.